Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet of the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all trading higher right now. Federal Reserve meeting minutes quelling speculation that borrowing costs could rise as soon as next month. We've got the S&P 500 index uh, higher by four points right now, 2182, a gain of two-tenths of one percent. Those minutes, by the way, showed officials were divided in July over the urgency to raise interest rates again. The Dow up 26 points, up one-tenth of one percent. NASDAQ up a point, little change there, up by less than 0.1 percent. The 10-year up 5.30 seconds at yield. 1.55%. Gold down 490 the ounce to 1347, a drop there of four tenths of 1%. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate up 31 cents, 4689 a barrel, a gain there of seven tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pelleton. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you, Charlie Pellet. It's time now for the ETF report. It is brought to you by ETF Exchange 16, BNY Mellon's annual ETF symposium, September 19th to the 21st in Dana Point, California. This essential conference is complimentary for RIAs, but space is limited. Register now at bnymelon.com slash ETF. Let's go to Catherine Cowdery for the Exchange Traded Fund Report. Money is pouring into ETFs this month, $21 billion in the U.S. in the first half of August. Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Eric Baltuna says it continues a breakneck haul of $68 billion since the end of June. It's this Goldilocks environment, right? You've got Brexit behind you, and you've got decent economic news, but not too good. And so there's really just no fear of the Fed. And plus, I don't think there's anybody thinking they're going to raise before the election. Baljuna says the flows are showing that investors are indulging their risk-on appetite as more than 10 different small-cap ETFs have taken in money. In August, they are going all the way. Small-cap ETFs took in $2.5 billion, and about a dozen of them saw flows. So this tells me they're really all in right now. ETFs that focus on industrial companies are leading all sectors in flows so far this month. They've taken in $821 million. One of the reasons, Beltuna says performance. The industrial select sector spider ETF is up 5% since July. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Well, stocks are fluctuating, still trying to figure out what to watch. The uh, Fed minutes did show a Fed somewhat divided, as I've been uh, talking to people on the show today, along with my co-host Pim Fox, and looking at research notes, I'm seeing that uh, some people are saying they appear slightly more hawkish. Some people are saying they're more held back by inflation. The question is, though, what does this mean for the stock market? And as we watch so many of the retailers falling short, are we seeing signs that some uh, weakness in the macroeconomy is spilling over into the business economy. We're very happy to be joined now by Peter Kenny, Senior Market Strategist at Global Markets Advisory Group. Uh, Peter, welcome. Thank you, Kathleen. So, uh, just here quickly, from the stock market view, from the investing view, we got these FOMC minutes. They didn't know how weak the GDP was or the second uh, jobs report. Do you just put them on the back burner and say, next, or does this, is there something you take away for uh, the stock market? Well, as far as the market's concerned, what we're seeing from the Fed and from the interest rate conversation or landscape is that we're likely to see much of the same unchanged outlook. In other words, we're seeing very mixed economic performance and a very divided FOMC. That provides for an unchanged view, 
moving forward, and that has provided for some significant risk on allocation of resources into equities, and that's a concern because we're seeing P.E. ratios well above historical averages. Uh, the Dow Industrials, Transports, and Utilities have all seen a meaningful uptick in the, in the price earnings ratio over the last 12 months and are, are well into an area where we have historically seen a pullback. We're also seeing the same sort of themes in the Russell 2000, NASDAQ 100, and the S&P 500. So as far as I'm concerned, this risk on appetite, which has driven valuations higher than they've historically been, is some cause for concern. But we're not seeing anything on the part of the Fed, which is indicating that we should expect an economic slowdown. The issue for the Fed is interest rates, and interest rates is not something that they can really engage in in September in terms of a raise. It's, it's not going to happen. And if it's not in September, it's not going to be before the elections, which means does it happen in December? That's far enough off in terms of the calendar for investors to not really have to focus on it. Peter, where's the money coming from that pushes stocks higher? Is it the retail investor or is it institutions? I think it's institution, and Pim, I think it's institutional institutions globally. The U.S. equity market is seeing a really significant influx of capital from around the world for very, very clear reasons, whether it is the dividend yield on U.S. corporate issues or whether it's the likelihood or the prospects of an increase in, in prices of equities. This is the most relatively attractive place to be putting your money to work, globally speaking. And, you know, just look at negative rates in Japan, in EU, or largely in some pockets of the EU, and you're seeing that this the U.S. equity market is the, is the landscape that global investors are more than willing to put their money to work at because of the relative attractiveness in, in yields. So if that's the case uh... – then we are, do you say, which of these three? Do you say uh, stocks continue to rise, um, S&P 500 hits 2200, surpasses it? Do you say, oh, well, back and forth, back and forth, you know, global investors want to invest here. On the other hand, you know, the earnings haven't been that great. Or is there a third possibility that stocks drift down? I mean, is the is this global demand for anything that looks better than anything else going to be a, much of a driver for the rest of the year? Yeah, certainly in, in, in the, the last of those three options, I think is the most likely. And this is why. Um, equity markets have historically not been able to hold valuations uh, as measured by PE north of 20 for extended periods of time. And I think that we've seen over the last two weeks a real slowdown in activity in terms of volume and turnover. And we've seen a real moderation in terms of price gains. The, the post-Brexit rally has run its, run its course. We're now in a post-Brexit rally mentality in terms of the, the, the broader street. And we're seeing that there's no compelling reason at these valuations to put much capital at risk, in spite of the fact that the global um, environment does continue to sort of fuel allocation of, uh, of cash into U.S. equities and U.S. corporate debt. Um, I do think that we've kind of reached an equilibrium. The, the, the Goldilocks scenario that many have spoken about is going to, at best, provide for very modest, very incremental returns from here until we, we hit some sort of a, 
a real pivot point in terms of volatility, which will, of course, drive prices to more historically-based valuations. Peter, you got to simplify it for me because I just keep thinking that one of the reasons that stocks go up is that somebody buys them. And I was looking at U.S. companies. They've reduced their stock buybacks to the lowest level in four years. This is a report from the stock research firm Trim Tabs. If you have U.S. companies not buying back their stock, combine that with what you just described as this perhaps overvalued stock market because of the P.E. levels, what happens when we get maybe a 5 to 10% correction? Let's assume that that takes place. How many people go under and what happens next? I do think that that takes place. I would not at all be surprised to see a 5% pullback between now and the elections, possibly more. And I do think it's going to be predicated upon a lack of corporate buybacks, which has been a huge driver of, of price appreciation in equity markets, and coupled with extended valuations. In that case, we're going to have to wait and to see the, where the dust clears because a lot of this volatility that we have coming up on us certainly before the election is going to be as a result of the elections. And based on the outcome of those elections, we're going to, we're going to have a much more clarity as to what – the interest rate scenario looks like going forward and what the corporate guidance looks like going forward. My sense is that we do get that pullback. My sense is that it represents an opportunity because I think over the next 12 months, the S&P 500 is likely to gain somewhere between 65 and 7%. Really? That's, so that would take us up to, gosh, how far? Do the math quickly for me, Peter. The math would get us to... Uh, Twenty three seventy. Hmm, that's not bad. Yeah, we're at twenty twenty one eighty one today. Yeah, I mean, and you'd, you'd certainly beat the return you'd get uh, holding uh, a lot of different kinds of bonds. That's for certain. And so, in the longer term, twelve months, I'm I'm actually quite confident. Okay, so and, you tell, and confident. okay, so give me a longer term play. What are some names or that you would that you would buy now or hold on to now because look out over the election divide and you can you know you'll hold on to it and make some money. Okay, so. I would let me start in the reverse. Minings, uh, miners, uh, they've had a huge run. I look for them to moderate. Truckers and parts, huge run, moderate. Food, meats, and products, huge run, moderate. So the stocks that I think will likely outperform in the next 12 months are the industrials, med- medical stocks, uh, pharma, and housing. Um, I, I think that you're going to continue to see a rotation into those names, and I think that they will lead the market higher. Thanks very much, Peter Kenny. He is a senior market strategist, the Global Markets Advisory Group. He's also an independent market strategist at Kenny & Co. We're going to take you through to the close on Wall Street. This is Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox. My co-host, Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg.